everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lunnan. And this is Volume Up by the Tees. Halloween hangover. Is there such a thing? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. When that sugar crush hits, like for sure, we're in the throes of it. Um, wow. And you're a sugar fiend. Like, what was your treat? Like, did you, what did you grab from the plastic pumpkin? Um, always Reese's, never oh. not Reese's. Okay. Reese's and then Skittles. I will tell you something though, Kelly. I'm pretty devastated about this, actually. <laughs> Skittle, actually, I, I like, I'm not devastated. I don't care, but I do. So Skittles, long time, had green as lime. Then they swapped it out for green apple for a while. Apparently that was unpopular. I like artificial green apple flavor. So now they've gone back to lime. So anyway, I've got those. I've got Skittles, the classic flavors, Reese's. Those are my go-to. I eat them all. It is what it is. What about you? You know... I I have a bone to pick with Skittles as well on that note. Ooh. I don't like all the little fruity flavors. Like the I don't like the spin-offs. Do you? Like tropical flavors? Oh. You love- uh, it, I love the and I like the surprise ones where it's like <laughs> one color and then it's a oh yeah, Skittles is Skittles is life. But I gotta right. say the like lime to green and then green apple. I'm not into that. Right. But you know, it is what it is. We had a fun, we had a fun time with it though. Halloween yeah. first, po- I mean, not really post-pandemic, but we went outside, we walked around. Um, one of my daughters was Ariel from The Little Mermaid. She had a not so janky wig that we brushed out. And, Ooh. you know, I would expect nothing Look at us. Like, come on. Um, my go-to, I'm not a candy person. I'm not a sweets person. You know, we know we this. Know yep. Yep. But if I had to choose, it would be a Twix. Yes. Or an almond joint. You lost me there. Let's talk about Twix then. Twix like a fun size little thing or like a Twix ghost? I don't know what a ghost Twix is. Oh my, Kelly, 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 Kelly. So, you know, Twix does their seasonal things like everybody does. uh, And one of them is a ghost shaped Twix where the ratio is totally off in terms of cookie. No. You know, but I'm into it. I gotta tell you, the, the Twix ghost is where it's at. Yeah. So maybe I send you one of those I if like I can that. spare it. <laughs> I feel like we could spend a whole podcast on candy evaluations. <laughs> Alas, though, we must move forward. <laughs> on last week's episode, I spoke with Michelle O'Connor, the global artistic director for L'Oreal Matrix and five-time Naha Award winner. She's also a member of the Ulta Beauty Pro Artist Team. She has over 15 years of beauty industry expertise, and we learned about Matrix new A Curl Can Dream campaign, which is a product line built for textured and curly hair. She was fabulous. So great to get to know her on the pod with all of you and check out their new line, A Curl Can Dream. For sure. If you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure that you subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, all the places at Read the Tees and sending questions to volume up at thetees.com. This week, I spoke with Scott Massad, the president and chief executive officer at Beauty Quest Group. Beauty Quest Group is a leading integrated manufacturer and marketer of branded and private label hair care hair color and styling products to professional salons and specialty retailers. We talked all about his career, where he had his humble beginnings, and his take on 
the professional industry today. It was a great interview. Excited for everyone to hear. Again, Scott Massad, the president and CEO of Beauty Quest Group. But before we get to the interview, there's one thing that we got to talk about. Uh, and it's actually kind of a correction from last yeah. time, Kelly. You took a controversial take uh, mm-hmm. about brown lipstick. I and did. It- so. <laughs> I did because we were talking last week about all the 2000s trends, which I lived through post-college. It was amazing. I'm here for basically all of them, but I did mention that I hope the concealer lip trend doesn't come back. And Mm -hmm. you know what? Maybe, maybe somebody was listening, but Nylon reported just days after that indeed the concealer lip trend is back. And so interesting. Is that I think what our influencers are doing now with this is they're they're cracking the trend. So they're making it accessible for all skin tones, which in the 2000s might not have been the case. Might not. No, no. When you look back, definitely not. Um, <laughs> those products were, were not for everyone. But yeah, go on. Don't be surprised if I show up next week with the concealer lip trend. I'm putting it out there now. Okay. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Before we go any farther, it's time for our continuing mini series featuring the stories of the talented trailblazers of the 2021 Texture Style Awards. Back in July, we introduced you to Monet Everett, friend of the pod and founder of the Texture Style Awards, which took place for the first time this year. We've been lucky enough to get to meet each of the 2021 award winners. And this week, we have one more winner, the last in our series that we'd like to introduce you to. On our last episode, we spoke with Rashar Staten, Curly Hairstylist of the Year. So go back and listen if you missed it. And today, we'll hear from Angelica Tanta, who won Straight Hairstylist of the Year from the Texture Style Awards. I am so happy to be joined today by a Texture Style Award winner, Angelica Tanta. Angelica, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hello, everyone. Um, I'm good. I'm so excited to be for the first time to be recorded and podcast. Oh, Thank you so much for that. inviting me. You're very, very welcome. Thank you for joining us. We are thrilled to be chatting with you. Congratulations on your win. Such a big deal. We're going to get into all of it. So let's start at the beginning, if you wouldn't mind. Tell us how you got started in beauty. Started when I was around 10 years old. I uh, gave it a haircut to my sister and then to the neighbor. And later I was in high school and I was carrying my backpack every day, the curling iron and combs and hairspray. And in the recess, I give it a style to my classmates, the girls. (laughs) Yes, and I love to style hair from a long time. So it sounds like you sort of always knew that you liked hair. Uh, did you think that you would become a professional even at a young age? Or what did you think that you would be when you grew up? Um, I, was, I, uh, I was in college and I was supposed to be a math teacher. Huh? And I was doing in, uh, four years accounting in uh, high school. And... I was much more with math, not thinking about hair or creativity, but always I like to draw in arts. I, I like art. I was, I had a part, something in my heart for art. 
And uh, I just discovered uh, doing hair uh, when I was in college. I give up uh, doing meds and um, I'm sorry. I give up to be in college and I, I start a beauty school. And then I, I love to do just hair and I opened my own uh, studio in 1992 till 1999. I, I wow. had my studio and I'm mm-hmm. from Europe, from Transylvania, from Romania, Transylvania. Mm-hmm. And in 1999, I uh, emigrated in uh, Chicago. Incredible. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all of your success. Um, what was that process like, sort of coming from Romania to the U.S.? Do you feel like the situation in terms of beauty services are different? Um, talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, I know it's been a long while since you've been here. Yes. Um... First, uh, in 1999, when I came, I didn't dream to do hair in the United States. Mm-hmm. I didn't know to speak English. I don't know how to endorse my license or if, if it's possible. And I did different jobs for living. I started mm-hmm. lady cleaning, then a babysitter. Then I switched to be in the office. I was a receptionist. Mm-hmm. I was working in... A, uh, for two years for mental disability people. I was kind of caregiver or something like that. Mm-hmm. I did so many jobs, but in every job I enjoyed to work and I love what I was doing. And in uh, just 2016, I started to endorse my license and because um, I couldn't prove my hours from um, Europe, yep. mm-hmm. I started school here. And I was, I did, a, again, I was in school again here and was a good thing. I, I, I want to thank you everybody who put, uh, uh, like who doesn't give me the license because if I would got endorsed the license, I couldn't be here. Because I was in school, I saw other classmates going competition and my mm-hmm. uh, instructor pushed me to go in competition. I went in Skills USA. I win first place in uh, mm-hmm. Illinois. Then I went for national competition in Louisville, Kentucky. I didn't win, but I got friends and I, I got more, I don't know, to love being in competition and learn more about industry and everything. Oh, love that. Yes, and in this, in the same time, I learned from my classmates to use Instagram, mm. and I use it hashtags, uh-huh. and I noticed noticed by Wella, Wella Trend Vision, and mm-hmm. I choose uh, top ten finally semifinalist, and then I was choose uh, top three finalist, and I went in Hollywood. I compete mm-hmm. on the stage was awesome, was something dreaming. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also after I came from there, I was uh, noticed by behind the uh, scene, behind the scene uh, in a student category. Mm-hmm. And I went to Washington to get education there and make new friends. And yeah, I, I like to be in competition in uh, hair shows too. I like to attend every hair show because I meet so many and I learn and I discover products and technique about cutting color. Yeah, I will never stop learning. 
that's so refreshing. Um, and it's good, I think, for our audience to hear that even people at the top of their game are always feeling like they need to go to the next level with more education um, yeah. and investing in themselves. So kudos. And thank you for walking us through the journey. I think that it's so inspiring. Let's transition a little bit into the Texture Style Awards. So yes. we acknowledged that you have won, which is a huge feat. Congratulations for straight hair, the category for straight hair. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what that was like, winning the, the process of submission, basically everything with the Texture Style Awards. Yes, um, about Texture Style Awards, I saw from beginning uh, advertising like February, I think January, February. I never mm -hmm. thinking I into this competition because I'm not so, I didn't get so many education in texture hair. Sure. I had clients with texture hair or straight hair, but mm -hmm. I didn't think it's for, I, I, I was thinking mm -hmm. there are more other talented artists who will sure. enter and they every day with this type of hair. Mm -hmm. And I got a DM message from Texture Style Awards and they told mm -hmm. me, you have so many on your page and try it. And then I mm -hmm. said, yes, I can do with this straight hair. I can do it with wavy hair. Mm -hmm. I don't, I didn't enter with coil because I don't have so many, sure. but I, I learn and I like to learn more. <laughs> yes, Enter. I said, why not? Let's try, you never know. And uh, when I saw I was nominated semi-finalist, I said, wow, this is a huge honor for me. <laughs> I couldn't believe. And then I said, let's see who will vote. My friends, I posted in Facebook, Instagram, and with help of all my friends, and I want to thank you again, with they vote, I, I got to be nominated. Mm -hmm. Yes, And, and then you won. Which I is, won. again, congratulations. It's a Thank huge you. deal. How do you feel about having won this category? I feel very grateful. I, I don't know. I will encourage everybody to try. And everybody have good work. And they have just tried. Mm -hmm. I am sure they're going to be not as said. How do you feel like the Texture Style Awards are changing our industry? This is the first time that we've had these awards um, and it's quite a big deal uh, in which different kinds of hair textures are at the forefront. Um, do you feel like the industry will change as a result? Talk to us a little bit about your thoughts there. Yes, I think this competition should be every year and uh, everybody have to try because in that corner, it's somebody who's very talented and they don't know, and they have to try and they're gonna be noticed. And when they're gonna be winner, they're gonna be so happy and grateful that they, they try it. If it's not this competition next year, will be so many talented out there and they're not gonna be noticed. Yeah. How did you go about the, the process of submission? I try it and I said if I'm good enough I will be winner if not who's good will be the winner and I, I will congratulate always I like to share and be like open or friendly with everybody I'm not jealous on somebody else where do you think that you're going to go from here? I mean, you talked about that you feel like your life has changed as a result of this award and others. 
Um, what's next for Angelica? Next, um, I will be a better stylist. I will practice more. Okay. And I will come with many more um, like creativity. I will create, I just got um, a tool from Spain and I will try other technique, more avant-garde. Cool. And I like to create and I don't know, I will never stop to, to do something else and something else. Always I like to do different, not uh, keeping the same style or, yeah. Great, well, we are very much looking forward to seeing what you've got next coming up in the future. The style that you won for the Texture Style Award was incredible. We're big fans of your work and are really excited to see as you're experimenting with new techniques, what beautiful you know, hairstyles that you'll create next. So, all right, last question for, for the moment is, what are some words of advice that you have for people that wanna to get to the top of the beauty industry like yourself? Uh, for all the students who finish at the school or the stylist working behind the chair in a salon, I want to tell them never give up and try to learn more and never be afraid to do something new or try something new because you never know how better result you can have and you can, can be noticed and you, you're going to be some in a better uh, position or always have to learn and discover new things and never stop. Oh, so powerful. That's definitely the sort of motivation that our listeners are going to be into. So thank you for sharing that. It was a pleasure chatting with you. We are all wrapped. Um, before we depart, how can people find you? Where can they find your work? How could they book your services if they're in the Chicagoland area? Tell us everything. Uh, I have an Instagram and the IG name is Angelica Romanian Hairstylist because I belong from Romania. Mm -hmm. It's a long name. I'm sorry. Ah, no, no, no. No worries. We're going to plug it in. People are going to find you. Um, and then if they were so inclined to come to the area or maybe they're in Chicago already, how can they book your services? From DM, from Instagram now because I don't have yet a website. And uh, I have a Facebook, Angelica Mirella Hair Design. Or Perfect. in Instagram, uh, I have G uh, email and phone number. Beautiful, just, yeah. Yes. Easy, you make it easy for them. Well, we will make sure that they get all of that access. Again, we're going to include it in the show notes. Angelica, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on your win. The Texture Style Awards is a big deal. We're so excited for you. You should be mm -hmm. very proud of yourself. And we're expecting big things in the future. Thank you so much. Yes, I will. I will do not stop here. I will continue to learn and do more things. And it was a pleasure today to talk with you. All right, I'm going to say mad props to Angelica. Loved hearing about her process and her award-winning straight hairstylist of the year look. So we wrapped it up. We met with all of the Texture Style Award winners. We're excited for what Monet Everett has in store for us next year with round two, with year two of the Texture Style Awards.
Next up, thetease.com, what is trending on our sites? The editorial team has been hard at work this week uncovering industry news, diving into brands you don't know but should, and here are our favorite headlines. I'm going to go first this time. Okay. New on thetease.com is an article called Meet Rhyme and Reason, the eco-friendly brand that's trying to save the planet. Look, we love a clean beauty brand on the tease. The tease.com is all about it. You'll see if you type in clean beauty on the search, a whole bunch of coverage. Uh, and so, yeah, this fell right into our wheelhouse. Uh, one such brand is hair care company Rhyme and Reason. They offer vegan, cruelty-free products for hair and scalp, which we love to see. Uh, but best of all, and the thing that I think you guys are going to be most interested in, uh, is that they're a member of the 1% for the Planet group. Uh, which means that they donate 1% of their gross sales each year to great environmental causes. For them, uh, their charity is the Galapagos Conservation Trust, uh, which works to find a solution to plastic pollution in our oceans. So really walk in the walk, talk in the talk, all of those things. Go to thetease.com, see more about Rhyme and Reason, uh, and then check it out. They are retailed at Target. At Target. All right. My first article for you Mm. You are the one and the only, the hair icon of the last 30 years. You know her name. With the many memorable main moments as she has had, it would be impossible to pick a favorite look of hers. This star proved this point when she challenged her fans last week to weigh in on their favorite, wait for it, Aniston hairstyle. So Jeff, mm. I only picked one article today because I wanted to do a little bit of a pop quiz for you. We're going to mix okay. it up. So we're going to play Choose Your Player Hair Edition. <laughs> um, here in my hand, I will show you my top five Jennifer Aniston hair looks from her Instagram post. And you have to rank them on a scale of one, one being best, to five, five being the least best. Here we go. Number one. First up, Jeffrey, we have the look from Picture Perfect. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I've got in front of me, she's got braided pigtails, which yes. is a look. Uh, there's some PC bangs going on. Uh, there's a <laughs> backwards turned baseball cap uh, and little sunglasses. It's a, it, you know, and then the white t-shirt uh, under the dress, which yeah. the whole thing together is like peak 90s. It is. Um, I'm going to give it a three it's not the worst it's not the best it's it's a look it is look. certainly iconic i can appreciate why she picked it all right so we had a three for the classic 90s next mm -hmm. up please explain this look jeff all right so we believe that this is from the film rockstar with a <laughs> with a, a mark Wahlberg. It's when he was yeah. trying to make it big. This is, yeah. yeah, this is not one of my favorites. I'm going to give it a five for, for not, for a pass. Um, mm -hmm. There's like a, a glitter moment. There's a, like half up, half down. There's some fluffiness, which is back. Fluffy hair is, is here. Thank you. This yes. look is not, not a thing. There's like also some accessories, some glitter, bead, it's feather. Tinsel. It's tinsel. Oh, it's tinsel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a five for me. Five bad. Oh. I kind of, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, find You're into ahead. it. Well, I mean, perfect for Halloween. Look, if you want to, if you yeah, want to do the it up. Real, the real question is, which one of us hosts had hair tinsel? Well, I think we know the answer to that question. Um, it's and also you've, bad, you've, okay? I was going to say, you've been known to rock it. It's not that it can't be done successfully. I would argue here is not the finest right. direction. 
Half up, half down. Pony gets a five. Go ahead. Mm. Next up. Classic. Well, I, I don't know exactly what this is from, but I mean, it's like the sort of golden blonde Jen Aniston, the one that we all sort of came to know, center part, sort of poofy. Um, yeah, she like rocked this for a good decade. I think like it's a solid two, three. It's, all right. We're not upset at it. I'm glad that she's changed it up. All right, changing it up, got a two or three. And now, I mean, this one's even more classic, right? This is the- she's in the diner or she's in the coffee shop. We are looking at a still from Friends. This is the classic, the Rachel. It's a one for me. One best. Love this. You can't top this. This is like how no. we all knew her, right? Like we, we did it. We, we all yeah. cut our hair this way immediately when this mm-hmm. debuted. Especially having holds hair up. Stylist, as a mom, it was like, we might have even done a kitchen cut right there on the spot. <laughs> and it's back. And it should be yeah. back, honestly. It's a good look. It's It's iconic. All right, and finally we have the Jen Aniston of today. So the morning show, it's a little darker. It's a little bit piecier in the front. I'm I'm about it. I think that this might be her finest moment beyond the Rachel. So it's like a, a one-two yeah, for it's me. a little bit more subtle. Yeah. Um, I like the layers, the parts still. It's super flattering. I mean, yeah, side. she's not going to do the center part anymore. It's <laughs> back to the, the side. There's a little zigzag occasionally if you watch the show, which is an Ooh. interesting choice. Um, but, you know, she can pull it off. It's Jen Aniston. We're here for you, Jen Aniston. Thank you for your top looks. There were way more than five. We could have kept going on and on. Of, of these looks, which is your fave? All right. So, Jeff, I'm going to agree with you. And it's the original iconic Jen. It's her in the coffee shop, Central Perk. Yes, mm-hmm, I have that mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The original layered, the part, the golden brown. I'm here for it all day. Can't be topped. No. Shouldn't be. Did you know that when she got the, her hair cut like this, she actually cried? She did not like it. But she set the world ab- on fire with this new look. Yeah, that's kind of crazy to think. Um right? given its impact but you know the more you know another feature on the tease.com that you guys are going to want to check out is hairstylist cheetah basso on representing latinx culture in her career and finding inspiration everywhere so look this is a scoop our team spoke with basso to hear her thoughts on the current state of latinx representation within hair uh, the barriers that many latinx artists face in this field her advice for aspiring latinx stylists and way way more you got to drop everything you're doing. Go read this story. Goes without saying, but make sure that you're following her too. Uh, and that goes hand in hand with what she talks about with our team about representation um, and opening space for Latinx folks, specifically Latinas, which she mentions. Um, there's a lot of guys that are in the space, not a lot of room for the ladies. So let's make some room. Uh, check out the article. Make sure you're following her. And yeah, as always, there's so much that's going on at Batiz.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Next up, Scott Massad with Beauty Quest Group. Scott Massad is the president and CEO of Beauty Quest Group and former CEO of Jean Juarez Salons and Spas. As an industry icon, he has been in the industry for over 30 years and roles such as senior executive for Melee's, 
Did I have that right? Mally's? That's it. All right. Um, and Beauty Alliance, Senior Vice President of Sales for Redken, founder of Strictly Business, a nationally acclaimed beauty industry business program, founder of Sunbomb Sunscreen Products, and is currently a board member for Jean Juarez Salons and Spas as well. Whew, okay. Also currently president of ISBN. He is a featured keynote speaker at Intercoiffeur, Serious Business, ISBN, and he has delighted audiences, as he will today, with his real-life approach to solving challenges that salon professionals face, offering them meaningful advice on creating and maintaining an extraordinary career. And Scott, it seems as though you have had just that, an extraordinary career. So congratulations on all of your hard work and success. Thanks. Well, actually, when I hear you read that, it actually makes me sound like I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm not I'm not as sure that that's the case, but it's, it, it does sound good. So I appreciate their really nice introduction. You got it. So, you know, before we hit record, I found out a little bit about who Scott Massad is, mostly from a golfing and recreational standpoint. But for those of you who don't know, tell us in your mind a little bit of background um, on, on who you are and what really motivates you. As, as probably like most people, I'm still trying to figure out who I want to be when I grow up, right? <laughs> But, um, you know, certainly, you know, I'm, I'm a husband and a father of two beautiful daughters. I've got uh, two grandkids with a third on the way. And oh, so on one, one hand, you know, the part people don't know a lot about me is my, my personal life. But uh, from a professional standpoint, you know, I, I was uh, just to give you kind of a, a brief history of the way I kind of got into the industry to begin with. I am I am officially a college dropout. I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, I'm one of the eldest of five kids. Wow! So I was seven 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 kids, if you can imagine, or seven people, if you will, in a 1,100 square foot house that I was raised in with two bedrooms, one bathroom in the second floor. Uh, so you know, I have been not, not grown up with with kind of like a lot of physical riches. I I I, I um, I'm kind of a worker bee and I got into the industry as a kind of as a delivery boy, if you will, for a company that in, okay. in Michigan, that was a distributorship and, and uh, worked my way up. And one thing led to another. And I had many, many great people that supported me, primarily Ken Maley, who owned the company at the beginning, really taught me the principles of the industry that that I hold dear. And, and ultimately, to just kind of answer your question, uh, I think that I am a guy who is extremely passionate about helping others find the success that they're looking for in their lives uh, and, and primarily their professional lives, but they do bleed together. All of our personal lives and our business yeah. lives tie together. So I guess that's, that's my short winded answer. Maybe it's a long right. answer. Sure. <laughs> well, it's quite an answer. I mean, it sounds like you certainly did not have any of these accomplishments handed to you were certainly work, you know, worked very, very hard for, you know, tell me a little bit about what that was like to, you know, have that impact of dropping out of school, getting your first career, your first job that, that sparked this career. I tell people all the time, there's multiple ways to get to the end, right? And, mm -hmm. and so for some folks that going to college and doing the traditional deal or, or going to beauty school and, and chasing their dreams in that world, is that's their, their reality. Mine, mine, due to circumstances and financial circumstances, that wasn't going to be my opportunity. And yeah. so 
given the realities of my life, I, I, people ask me all the time, like, what did I do to be successful? And, and, I, and my real answer is, is being poor is a great motivator. You know, I, I don't necessarily know what I want to be, but I do know absolutely clearly what I don't want to be in my mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And so I just chose the path that said, what do I have to do to not be that? And one of one of those things was was poor. The other thing was to to not be in control of my own destiny. You know, when mm -hmm. my father, God bless him, was a wonderful, wonderful man, worked his tail off to just barely get by. And I just never wanted that to be part of my my deal. I, I fell into the beauty industry, to be right. honest with you. I mean, I'd like to say I had a grand plan. But I, but I was fortunate enough to, to fall in at the right place, at the right time with the right people uh, to really uh, kind of form my vision and, and really probably form my journey. Uh, and, and, that, and the rest has just been in constant pursuit of getting better at what I do. That's great. I love that. So many tidbits of great advice in there. Um, so, you know, you mentioned you were kind of put into the industry. Um, tell me about that first that first role that you had and at that point were you hooked in the industry or was it just the path that you were on um so uh, <laughs> I, I i dropped out of college my parents were ready to kill me because i was doing absolutely nothing and okay. so they said go get a job and so i went at the time i went to like one of those employment agencies you know where you gotta go and they try to give you leads and you go apply and the guy was going through some different things and and there was two jobs, one for, I don't even remember what it was, but the other one was, I have a job available in the beauty industry. Okay. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. That, <laughs> that, that, ain't, that ain't happening. Uh, and, and he said, well, look, you know what? The better, it, you probably won't want the job, but go interview because it's good experience. I'm like, okay, that made sense to me. So I went and interviewed, I met Ken Maley, who was kind of really one of the industry visionaries. If there ever was one, he was it. And, uh, he sat down with me and he said, you know, I think you're a great guy. I think you have an opportunity. If you're willing to work hard, I'm going to put you in the sales uh, training okay. program. And I'm like, great. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, come to find out, he, that was on a Friday. I started on Monday and come to find out the sales training program was I was working in the warehouse and I was a delivery boy. So okay. back in the day, I delivered shampoo. Basically, I pulled <laughs> shampoo out of big boxes, put it in little boxes, and then drove it around in a van and delivered it. All to, right. To answer your question, I got hooked the minute I walked into the first salon, <laughs> I'm being perfectly honest, and, said, and saw, I thought to myself, I have never seen so many beautiful women in one place in my entire life. This is a perfect place for me. Uh, and and <laughs> And then I got hooked on really what we do and how we do it. And I think the hairdressing community is magical because they just do things, you know, that most folks can't even envision. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and so it really, it's youthful, it's alive, it's fresh, it's nothing seems to be the same. And I, I've, I, you know, that, there it is. I'm, I'm still as passionate about it today as I was when I was 19 years old. I love it. And yeah, there is, my mom was a salon owner and stylist for 40 years. And so at some point, you know, I was hooked in my childhood too, but there is nothing like going to a physical location. And when everyone leaves, or even when they're in the chair, for the most part, they feel their best. 
right? Yeah. And everyone's working towards that same goal. So it is, it is quite magical. I agree. Um, it seems like, you know, your background, you know, certainly were in, in the salon as a CEO of Jean Juarez salons, and then, you know, multitude of other, of other roles. Tell me how, um, you founded Sunbum Sunscreen, um, because it seems like you've got both obviously corporate and a very entrepreneurial side of you as well. Yeah. Well, uh, the genesis of Sunbum, people ask me that question all the time. And I, I, <laughs> I always kind of laugh to myself because I had no clue and had some really great people working with me. But in the end, at the end, the whole concept, I remember reading an article. I was sitting there reading an article and it, and it was talking about the rise in skin cancer, which okay. is pretty meteoric uh, over the last you know couple decades. And uh, I re remember reading it. And then, then part of that article stated a simple statistic. I want to say it was 60% of Americans do not wear sunscreen. And okay. I started thinking to myself, well, sun, you know, skin cancer is rising. Why in the world would people not wear sunscreen? And so I started looking, thinking about sunscreen. And, and uh, at the end of the day, what struck me was basically, and I think there's a parallel to the beauty industry, by the way, which we'll probably get to it later, but that basically every one of the sunscreen companies were gigantic companies and they all basically said the same thing. And from my perspective, they're all super boring. So the genesis of Sunbum is very simple. What if we make sunscreen fun? And that's kind of what we set out to do. Okay. And we set out to do with the logos, the bottles and all that stuff. And kind of the, I think we did that. And I think the rest is sort of history. Yeah, no doubt. It's certainly a well-recognized brand. And to bring that from ideation to fruition to the strong brand that it is today um, is also quite an accomplishment. <laughs> um, shifting gears a little bit more into your current role at Beauty Quest Group. Tell yeah. us a little bit about Beauty Quest Group, um, how some of the brands got started. Give us a background there. So in order to kind of give you the kind of the gist there. Uh, I was CEO, President and CEO of Gene Juarez. Awesome shout out to my friends at, at GJ. Uh, but, but I would say the company that owned Gene Juarez was also the company that bought BeautyQuest Group. Okay. And BeautyQuest Group was a, a Conair, a, a division of Conair, essentially. Uh, they had brands in the beauty industry, which we acquired and manufacturing facility, which we acquired. And uh, they, they really were uh, brands that, that were, had a storied history, but maybe hadn't been uh, reinvented and or invested in and or done a lot of things because that wasn't Conair's primary business, right? And so we, we bought all that and wrapped it up and turned it into uh, Beauty Quest Group. And, and along the way, during COVID and whatnot, the, the board of directors of uh, the ownership group, uh, which is a private equity firm, asked me if I would be interested in taking this over and 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 helping kind of form its future. And to me, it's like the to what you said earlier, entrepreneurial spirit. I, like I, this is I love it when it's difficult. I don't really enjoy being a part of something that's just coasting because okay. I, I find that to be boring for me. But uh, the idea of having the opportunity to kind of do a Redken redo kind of thing mm -hmm. 
uh, was really exciting for me. And so that's how I ended up here. So the brands are like Irvin Rusk created Rusk, uh, you know, yeah. the, the, the Aquage brand was kind of came out of a offshoot of the family of Matrix, you know, so that's part of it. And, and One and Only, which is a brand that we sell primarily in Sally is, uh, you know, has got a storied history as well. And Jerry Redding days and, and all that goes with that and been updated since, but we have, we have multiple brands in, in multiple kind of places in the industry. And, you know, that's every single moment of every single day is how do we make them better and more relevant to the hairdressing community? You got it. So what is it like to have, you know, all three brands sort of spinning on a plate at once um, and then also leading a private label brand as well as well? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the brands, I mean, the, I would never take credit for what everybody's doing. We have a really great team here. Our marketing group is, is doing a phenomenal job. Even our, our field salespeople are doing a great job. So, you know, a large part of turning brands around is understanding who we are, understanding what our reason for being is, what identifying and, and calling out our points of difference, and then putting us on a track that, that's meaningful to our customer base, right? And so we had a lot of work to do there. We still have a lot of work to do. We, we're fortunate that we are having some really great successes uh, right. with some new products that we've created and, and such. But, but overall, uh, it, it's really a matter of injecting life back into some really solid, high-performing products. The flip side of the business is, is that we really kind of have two businesses in one. We also have a 300,000 square foot manufacturing facility. I mean, little known fact, we, make, we can make aerosol hairsprays. There's very few people in the country that make aerosol hairsprays. We have the capability to manufacture uh, all sorts of personal care items. And Got so it. a big piece of our business as well is what we call contract manufacturing and private label. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a totally different animal in that you're taking somebody like, like me when, during Sunbum and, and you're helping them manufacture and, and create something and then, then growing with them, provided they, they do really well. And so it, it, it's really kind of a lot of fun. We also do some private label business with, with well-known companies and to watch them be successful with that is really, really great. And, and it's also, you know, innovation because we bring innovation to the table to those customers. Sure. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, almost two different roles. I mean, completely different objectives, certainly with the private label and then infusing that life into the current brand. So, you know, I know that you were brought on as president and CEO in early 2020, which was quite a time to, to lead a new charge yeah. considering the world we were headed down. Um, what are some of the ways that you feel Beauty Quest Group has changed under your leadership uh, as well as throughout the pandemic? Well, I had the distinction of being appointed CEO on Zoom. Uh, okay. Our offices were closed. I, I didn't hardly know anybody. Uh, that was that was a trip in and of itself. I, I think uh, I think the the thing that if 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 you want to talk about that I've kind of brought to the table is mm -hmm. this, this this passion for making our industry better, okay. and through that process, selling more shampoo or color and things yeah. that we make. I, I am not, and never have been a real big believer that, 
there's such a thing as the best product made. I, I just don't think that that really exists. I don't even know how you judge that, but I do know there is such a thing as the best relationships you can have. And, and one of the things we've tried to do is establish ourselves as great people to do business with and providing the, the partnership and the guidance and the, and the investment and, and all those things that go with building something special. And, and we're still very much in process because the company itself is, is, was two years old in July. And basically a year of that was, I don't want to call it wasted, but it wasn't certainly normal. And, right. and so, you know, we're still a very early stage company and, and we have big dreams and big goals and, and really great people. And we're building a, a really great team. And so, you know, I, I think that, that my objective was to say, how, how do we help the end, not only consumer, because that's the easy part once a, a, a hairdresser sells a bottle of shampoo, but how do we help a hairdresser? How do we help a salon owner? Uh, have a better existence because they've they're doing business with us, and that's yeah. that's a whole lot different than selling people shampoo. Yeah, it really is, and just that commitment to you know our community because we've certainly seen brands at some point you know maybe lose that commitment or be ta being taken over by you know entities like private equity or resold here and there, and and they're losing some of that commitment to to. They're number one, which is our pros. So that's that's great to hear that that is at the forefront of, of your mission and, and values as a brand. So, you know, before we get on to the trends that we're seeing in the industry, where do you see Beauty Quest heading in the future? Like what's on the horizon for you? Um, I think, you know, the, the easy answer, sort of broad probably, but the easy answer is, we want to be considered. I, I don't ever think we're going to be the biggest brand uh, company in the beauty industry, nor do I quite frankly even want to be, but I do want us to be the best. I do want people to look at us and say, these guys get it. They get me. They get, they, they get what we're trying to accomplish. They understand the, the trials and tribulations of being behind the chair and or being a salon owner and trying to drive the business. And they are there for me. And I think that if we do that, yeah. we will have really unbridled success. And I, and I think we'll be, we'll be in fine shape. We, we also want to be innovators. Like I want us, our company needs to be, we have the facilities, we have the R&D, we have the labs, we have the ability to be the company that brings things to market that nobody even thought of yet. And yeah. in a way that's, in a way that's meaningful and exciting and new. I, I do think our industry is stuck. I think our industry has been stuck for a really long time. And, and, and so we want to, from my standpoint, I want our company to be a beacon of, of hope and, and, and uh, success and fulfillment in this career. And through that, I, I'm absolutely confident we'll sell a lot of stuff. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, speaking as, you know, it sounds like you certainly have a vision for our industry. And, and I would love to know, you know, we, got, we talked about our industry being stuck. I want to talk about that beacon that you mentioned and those trends moving forward. So, you know, in general, if we move on to some of those broader topics, um, tell me how you feel the beauty industry is holding up in this now year two, almost year three of the pandemic. 
Well, I think overall, the, the one encouraging thing that every salon professional should feel is that we are in an extremely resilient industry. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's nothing more, you couldn't have a bigger example than the pandemic. Now, there's also places, I think, regionally that have been hit significantly worse. Like for instance, at Gene Juarez, we were closed for about 16 weeks because the view on COVID in Washington is dramatically different than the view on COVID in Florida, for instance. Yeah. Uh, but having said all that, I think the industry is, is holding up as well as could be expected. I think partially though, what concerns me uh, kind of a, behind the scenes is the number of, there's been a number and we've experienced this at Gene Juarez of people that have decided to get out of the industry, uh, yeah. whether it be because of the fear factor, whether it be because there's the closeness and touching and all that kind of stuff in a, in a world that's been training us to all, you know, I, I, I love the term socially distanced because there's nothing social about distance. That's but <laughs> having said that, you know, that, that, that's been a very, I think an emotional drain on the industry. And I think there's a, there's a tremendous amount of hairdressers that are emotionally drained at the up and down. And, you know, don't forget all day long, they're doing hair and listening to people talk about it. Yeah. So it, 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 I think I'm concerned about the impact of that. Uh, but probably I could say the same thing. I'm concerned about the impact on our kids and, and yeah. whatnot from all this long-term, but, but as, as an industry, I think we're in very good shape. I think we've learned that no matter what people still want to look and feel good. And mm -hmm. I think we, we were going to have to adapt because of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, throughout the pandemic, one thing I did do was certainly still, frequent our hair salon, my hair salon when it was open, um, just because that's the one kind of non-negotiable, right? That I think yep. that we all do, even if we are sitting on Zoom or are at home, we still want to feel great. Um, and the salon and salon professionals are the ones that are doing that for us. Yeah. Well, and you, and you said something I think really matters to, to, for salons to hear is I think generally speaking, I hate to be general, but I think generally speaking, prior to the pandemic, people were more concerned about doing hair to make people look good. Mm -hmm. And I think that what the, what the lesson is, is that 50% of it is how people look. The other 50% of, of what a hairdresser, a great hairdresser, a great salon does is leave people how they feel. And that. Sure. I think that that gets lost, has been lost for years. Like it's about just doing the technical side of this. And, and I don't believe that that's the future of the industry at all. Great. Speaking of the future of the industry, where do you feel that we're headed? You know, if, if we, we come out of this pandemic, it's all, we're firing on all cylinders. Like where are we headed? Where should we be headed as an industry? Uh, well, it's I, <laughs> a tough question, but I, let me let me start with this. The, the whole premise of the beauty industry, the whole premise of the fashion industry are pretty much the same, which is they're all based on change, right? They're all based on some level of vanity and they're all based on the level of change, changing fashion, changing hairstyles, changing color, yada, yada, yada. So the thing that's always been challenging for our industry since the day I got in it is that it's driven by consumers seeking out change 
but it's delivered by people who generally speaking dislike change. And there's always been a rub there. So the lesson of COVID for me is, number one is COVID in my mind, all it did was push a fast forward button to five years faster okay. than where we are. I, I think that all of the things that are happening today were gonna happen, but now it was almost forced on people. And, and change is interesting because when, 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 when the chips are down, you're forced to do things you wouldn't do if not, right? And so yeah. I think that's absolutely what's happening. And so, so to your point, I think we need to think about how we service people differently. Um, we need to think about the comfort of our salons and the comfort of our visits. I think that, uh, that historically it's always been about taking as much time as humanly necessary to do whatever kind of hair you want to do technically. I think that the consumer of tomorrow is much more time conscious and much more uh, concerned about, you know, the, the level of activity around them. It's going to take a while for all that to go away. I do think that people are looking for solutions in the new gen. I mean, like, like for instance, if your life was revolving around, um, doing hair for people going to events and, mm -hmm. and things like that, that's not going to look the same for a long while. Right. And so yeah. I think that th the word I would use is, is that, that, that the industry in, in large needs to adapt It needs to adapt to online It needs to adapt to the way we do retail. Like at Gene Juarez, when, when you have limited capacities of people that you can have in the building, you, people don't shop. Uh, looking at retail. So how do you bring retail alive to those customers? How do you make it exciting for them when they're not sticking their nose, opening the caps and smelling it and doing all those kinds of things that, that typically they would do? And, and how do we maybe have people be able to order their products prior to their visit? And then when they check out, their products are waiting for them right mm -hmm. there and it's a done deal. Cashless, all, all those sorts of things. So I think I think you get the gist. I think that the fundamental behind COVID means is that the one thing, I mean, it's not my saying, it's, it's, it, but it's a bit of a cliche, but it's true in this case. The one constant uh, in life is change and, and sure. folks got to get, get, they got to get that figured out or they're going to fall behind. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because even the push to, you know, direct to consumer e-com and our buying behaviors. I mean, when we couldn't go into the salon, we still needed our dry shampoo delivered to us. And so where did we go? Right. right. What brands were there that were ahead of the curve that were already, you know, taking steps pre-pandemic to to serve that e-commerce marketing crowd. So um, definitely saw that. And then, you know, you mentioned education. So you know, what are your thoughts on online education? Is it here to stay? Is it our new normal? Where are we headed in educating all of our pros? Uh, I, I, you know, to answer your question, Director Kelly, at, at the end of the day, I think we have a industry, an industry-wide problem, which is we just want to say, is this the thing? What, what's right. the thing? And, right. and the truth of the matter is there is no thing. There's a multitude of things. And, and I think online education absolutely has a place. I absolutely believe it has a place. I also believe that uh, on-demand education, like we, yeah. we're working on and building out what we call our, our, on our websites, our back room for licensed professionals to, only to access, which are classes at their convenience, right? So they'll be able to 
to go right in there and they'll get business education. They'll be able to kind of go to subject matter and, and get all that stuff. So there's absolutely a place for that, but, but that's not all. I, I just, our industry needs people like they, it's not customers per se. We obviously need those, but our industry, the people that make up our industry need humanity. They need to interact. They need to be with each other and they need to, to, to kind of feed off each other and be inspired by each other. And so I absolutely believe there's, there's, there's going to be a significant amount of uh, uh, in-person learning going on. But, but I would say from my perspective, uh, you know, I don't know what the trade show world's gonna look like. Uh, I, I think that's, that, that, that probably is going to be pressured pretty strongly, but, but ultimately, the, the bottom line is people want to be inspired and they need to be inspired. They need to, to feel as though they've got something new to offer. And, and so much of that comes from being in person and, and, and networking and speaking with other hairdressers. And, and I do think that, you know, we, we, we are in our own organization, we're, we're working on, we're actually presenting uh, on the 8th of October in San Antonio an, an in-person regional event with, with our top people. And so right. I'm, I think we're going to end up doing a lot of that next year because we want to, I, I think it's really hard to help people experientially purely yeah. online. Yeah, I do too. And, and, you know, I was even for a short while at America's beauty show a couple of weeks ago, and it was just so interesting because that, that need for community and connectivity and, and being in the same physical space, you know, it was interesting. And I caught myself just grabbing and hugging people. And I thought, ah, that's probably not appropriate, uh, you know, considering the pandemic, but it was just so great to see everyone and, and the energy was there. So I do believe that, you know, as creatives in the industry, certainly pros feed off of that, that in person and the, the, hum, the human touch of it all. Right. Mm, I agree. I, I, I mean, that, that to me, that's what makes our industry so special yeah. because I'm like you, I see I was at various events behind the chair, and whatnot. I see people. I just don't. I don't even hesitate to go up and hug. I know them because, and and you know what? It, like part of life is risk, and we need each other. We need to feel comfortable. We need to feel empowered, and all, all of those things that go with interpersonal relationships um, are very harmful if if we don't bring them back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Who knew we'd be here so long after the initial sort of outbreak and things, but here we are. And I do think that as an industry, we're resilient, like you mentioned. And so you're right that there isn't one thing, it's going to be things and we're going to get back and, and get back to, you know, hopefully some of those things that drive the industry as a whole. And the last question I have before we get to our quick takes is, you know, selling directly to stylists online or distribution. What are your thoughts there? Um, will the industry continue to be dominated by distribution? Are you seeing generally more brands making a concerted effort towards that one-on-one -on -one uh, e-commerce relationship with their, with their end consumer. Once again, uh, as I really stated earlier, I don't think there's one size fits all. Yeah. I think there's a place for everyone, but I don't know that anything is going to be dominated by a channel per se, like distribution okay. or online. I think that the hairdressing community really is striving to understand and be partners with the people that want that that are there to support them. So yeah. I think that that the, the hairdressing community is going to gravitate where they get the greatest value at. Anybody can make products and anybody can sell products, right? Would we agree with that? Yep. 
most people don't add a lot of value other than products. And I think that that's what hairdressers are looking for. Why would I choose your products is the real question. And then the, the, the reason behind that is now who's going to serve me. Uh, and, and I do think that as an industry, we've kind of gotten away from the servitude side of our customer base. And, and I think that that's really an important part of the puzzle. Great. Love it. So thank you for that. Any other topics or, or, or comments that you want to share before we move on to our quick take section? Go for it, girl. <laughs> okay. Got it. So number one, out the gate, it's going to seem like a weird question because it is. Um, bar soap or body wash? Body wash. No, All not right. even a question. Okay. You know what? There's been quite a polarizing uh, argument for either. So you are a body wash guy. Got it. <laughs> um, what are you streaming right now? So Netflix, podcasts, uh, you know, HBO, what show are you or actually anything? What are you streaming? I am actually in streaming hibernation because I, I do not want to waste uh, any of my scheduled time because I am on, on the edge of my seat for Ozark okay. and, yeah. and Succession. I'm, oh. I'm obsessed with both of them and they're both kind of coming out with new seasons. So I can't, I'm Love like, it. I do not want to clutter my brain. I am ready for those. <laughs> two. That is the most, uh, I love it because you are dug in deep. You're just freeing up space to I'm watch all it. all the way there. I okay. am committed. But do you binge watch it once the season's out or do you go one by one? Well, <laughs> you know what? I, I like to binge watch it because then it's like telling a full story. Right. But, but then I don't know that I'm going to have the patience to wait till they get through them all so I can binge it. So I I don't know. I could have a combo platter on this. All right. Got it. And then do you watch one at a time or do you mix the (laughs) storylines? Oh no. I I, I would, I last season I watched, uh, I literally watched Ozark in one day. Uh, I, I just went through the whole deal. Uh, I I didn't sleep much, but I watched the whole thing and it was awesome. Um, Succession, I kind of took in bites because Succession is, I mean, Ozark's kind of got its own darkness to it, but Succession is like kind of exhausting, right? So I had, I got, I kind of had to take that one in bites. I mean, and and how would you live in Axelrod's brain for like a full 24 hours? I, I don't have a clue. I have no clue. But it is, it's all that insider info. You're like, does this happen? Did this happen? What, you right. know, it's, it's, you can bring threads of it to the reality over the last decade or two that we've seen with insider trading, all of the crazy financial woes that are happening. Yeah, for sure. All right. One product that you cannot live without, and this can be like an appliance, a beauty product, a cooking gadget, one thing that's just top your list. I'm going to stay in beauty because uh, okay. I, I think I got to give props to the beauty product folks. The, uh, other than things that we make, because that's that's us. And then people say, well, yeah, you're just saying it because you make it. But other, <laughs> uh, other than that, I would say our our um, top skincare brand in uh, Gene Juarez is called Babor. And I've never really been a skincare person, but in my time at GJ, I, uh, I totally got into it. So I would say my my three different skin, my, my all male, <laughs> the way I view it anyway, skincare regimen. Uh, I'm all, I'm all in on Babor. 
before. Got it. And so are you the kind of guy that can stick to a regimen at night? Because that's impressive. Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, so I have a, like a light, <laughs> like a light, I have a face wash or a wash, a face wash, okay. right? A, a light, um, like a prep kind of thing. And then okay. just a, just a lotion. So it's a, it's not really much of a regimen and I don't do any of it at night. I do it in the morning when I take a shower. Okay. All right. Hey, and, and then I'm, that, that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking it the whole direction with the eye cream and all that stuff. But <laughs> I, I, I love the products. I mean, it really has made a big difference. That's amazing. All right. I'll have to check it out for sure. And then the last one is advice for those who want to make it to the top of our industry. Whoa. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess what I would say, if like, if I want to tell you what I tell people when I speak and, you know, kind of anywhere in the world, I would, I would say that you have to visualize who you want to become. Number one, first and foremost, it's one thing to say, well, I want to own my own salon, or it's another thing to say, I want to be a platform artist. And like those, that's easy, but, but really to spend some time to think of who you want to become as a person, as a professional, as a, as a family member, yada, yada, yada. And okay. so to me, um, the first thing is to identify who you want to become and then push yourself to be willing to do the things that are necessary to get there. Uh, I find that the biggest challenge for most people today is they're so used to instant everything sure. that they don't understand that a fulfilling career and a financial success and all of those things take time. There's no such, our, our business is relationship driven. You don't make relationships in 15 minutes that are lifelong. Yeah. You, they take time to develop and grow. And, and, and it, my advice would be is to, for people to realize that the best relationships are relationships you work on. And if you're, if you're in that scenario that you do that. And, and lastly, I, I only have my own world to know for this. Like I didn't take the easy road, but what I did do was work my rear end off and I did sacrifice. And I hear all the time uh, from people, well, I'm looking for a work-life balance. And while that <laughs> sounds really cool and it's like a neat little phrase, the end of the day, I would submit to you that there's no such thing. A, a work-life balance means you're constantly, constantly balancing imbalance. Yeah. Some days work owns it and some days life owns it. And so managing the imbalance is work-life balance. And to realize that, that you have to put in the work at the beginning so you can enjoy the ride at the end, that, that's a hard thing for people in an instant gratification world. I love that. That is so well stated and so well spoken. Thank you for that. Um, you know, as we talked before, I certainly founded the Tease Media, but also have a digital media agency. And I couldn't agree more. I started that agency when I was five months pregnant with my first child. And uh -huh. the first 10 years of it were an absolute there was no leaning in, right? I jumped in and something gave on any account. Um, yeah. So I, I love that you said that for sure. Well, I, I just believe that. I, I, yeah. I hear people say that when people say that to me, generally speaking, my mm -hmm. retort to them is what does that even mean? Because <laughs> it's one of those things that people talk about all the time. They don't even know what it means. Agreed. Does that mean you work two days a week? Well, what's the balance look like? 
Like, right. I don't even know how you articulate it. So if you can't articulate it, I want to be happy. Well, of course you want to be happy, but people that love their job are happy with doing work. It's work doesn't have to be horrible. True. Uh, and, and people talk about it like it's the scourge of the earth. I've never, I can honestly say this. I mean, this in, in all the years I've been working, I've never gone to work thinking, oh my God, I got to go to work. Um, like I've, I love what I do. I love I, I, because I make it so, and I think that that's, that's lost. The people can yeah. control happiness. Uh, they don't, when you give away your power to create happiness, um, you give away your power and yeah. my, and so I, I, I like my advice is, man, if you, if you've got figured out where you want to go, realize it's going to be a bitch and, and yeah. you just get, get after it. Yeah. Start down the path, the waste in time, right? It's it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody'd do it. Exactly. I'm with you. Very, very well stated. I appreciate your candor. I think that, you know, that is, you know, it's again, it's it's so spot on and it is great to have your perspective. So Scott, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, uh, getting to know a little bit uh, more on your thoughts and where we're headed with the industry and certainly to celebrate for a moment, all of your achievements and wonderful expertise that you bring to the table. Well, it's been a pleasure and you guys are awesome. So thank you for the opportunity. You bet. So a big thank you to Scott Massad for joining us on the podcast today. I really enjoyed getting to know him and hearing his story. And most of all, his take on young professionals entering the industry today. Thank you for your words of wisdom. And thanks for joining us on Volume Up by the Tease. And Jeff, I just want to give you a reminder. When this episode airs, it's obviously November 1st. But did you know that you have been my lovely co-host for almost a year. We launched Volume Up by the T's November 6th of 2020. So happy anniversary to you. It's incredible. How has it been a year? How? I don't know. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we've really appreciated the feedback. Uh, we'll have loved to hear from you guys, and especially when you guys are sending us emails to volumeup at the T's.com. I love it. Tune in next week for a very special anniversary episode to celebrate 365 days of podcasting. Also, be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees. Send in questions to volumeup at thetees.com. Volume Up is a Tees Media production. This episode was produced by Mama Kiki, Stephen Jodoran, and Matt Kiki. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode, and to Josh Landowski for editing so you can watch and listen on YouTube.